Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Sermondo Talks. My name is Christina and my guest today is Mike Michelini, founder of Global From Asia and the host of the annual cross-border summit happening in China. Let's say hi and ask him a few questions. So I'm here okay. today. I'm here today with uh, Mike Michelini, who's the founder of Global from Asia and now based in Thailand. Hi, nice to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, Christina. It's great to be here. In one or two sentences, what is Global from Asia? It's online media for podcasts for cross-border e-commerce between China and Asia and the rest of the world. And for how long have you been around already? Started the first episode uh, October 2013. So almost, what is that, six years? Yeah, wow. almost. Ooh, that's a pretty long time. Um, yeah. do, do you have your own experience with uh, selling online or how did it come that you, that you founded Global from Asia? Sure, I started selling on eBay 2004 and uh, had no idea what I was doing working on Wall Street in New York. I don't know, I went to college, but it didn't seem to really help me with doing online business <laughs> and uh, just making tons of mistakes, figuring, finding Alibaba, finding like, you know, different platforms, buying online at night. Uh, you know, the quick story is quit the job in 2007, went to China, end of 2007, made even more mistakes. Uh, learned a lot, uh, got inspired by other podcasters. And I always was blogging probably since 2000, actually when I quit my job in 2007, but that's more like my personal blog, mikesblog.com. But uh, Global From Asia started because people were always asking, how do you do business in Hong Kong? It was actually more like a Hong Kong business podcast to be very specific. It was originally started for Hong Kong business, like setups, banking, um, import, export, things like that. Seems like there's a huge interest in doing business in Asia or specifically in Hong Kong. Why is that? What are the advantages of setting up your business there? It's kind of funny, actually. Our next podcast is going to be, say, the risks of Hong Kong <laughs> or, the, or should you still do business? I mean, I don't know. The news, at least in my world, is all about protests and trade wars. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's the craziest time. I feel like it's really exciting times, but it's very scary times. And, but I mean, the traditional reason people like myself would do it is, of course, low tax, multi-currency banking, um, you know, UK influence, like, English language law in Asia, next door to Hong China. A lot of Chinese factories have Hong Kong banks. So you can do like, you know, no fee, same day tr transfers. Um, and uh, it at least used to be more open to foreigners and people doing business around the world. And what is the biggest hurdle? For example, if I want to set up my business in Hong Kong, what would be my main issues with doing so? Uh, since about 2016, the banking has been the hardest part, um, getting a bank account. It's especially in Hong Kong, but it seems like everywhere around the world has gotten harder, not easier. It's like only <laughs> the opposite. I thought it was, I thought the, I thought life is supposed to get easier, not harder, but, uh, but, uh, basically, um, it just, uh, it blew up the industry a lot because, you know, if you can't, if 
company is nothing if you don't have a bank account, right? So the hardest yeah. part is getting a bank account, especially in Hong Kong, but everywhere it seems, even US, everywhere the banking is getting harder. And you can help with that. So I'm a partner in the agency there. It used to be the main focus of Global From Asia, but because of the whole banking crisis and uh, the stress that I, I partner with uh, CPA and I'm a shareholder in Unipro, mm -hmm. which is, um, I know people get confused. We have a lot of blog content about Hong Kong companies, but I basically use a, a partner company for that. But yeah, of course, Unipro could help you with that. I have uh, Ray, my Hong Kong partner, and uh, we have a full team about four people in Hong Kong and four people online to help us with the, with the operations for that. Yeah, so we can definitely take care of setup, tax, banking, everything. All right, so people can fully leverage on your network that you have there. Definitely. All right, and I've seen that you also hosting the Cross Borders Summit. What is that? Yeah. It started um, 2016, so our fourth annual is coming up this October. It's been in China every year. Well, actually, every year was in Shenzhen. This first time will be in Guangzhou, right at the Canton Fair. So it kind of came from a lot of people, a lot of listeners, a lot of people in the audience coming to China, Hong Kong for trade shows. So it's a two-day, full-day conference, uh, over 20 speakers, mostly with an it's become more and more Amazon or e-commerce focused. Um, of course, it's more focused around being in Asia, doing Amazon, doing cross-border e-commerce. So we have, you know, like Danny McMillan coming from Stellar Sessions. We have Will Churland, a, a really amazing boy genius of Amazon. And we have other, we also bring really top, we try to bring some Chinese sellers and Chinese experts because we're in China. Um, but it's all English. You know, it's, it's one of the only English language international conferences in China for, uh, for e-commerce. That sounds awesome. Can people also meet like uh, manufacturers there or is it mainly sharing knowledge amongst sellers? It's, it's, um, it's tricky because I don't, you know, we already have the Canton Fair happening and uh, the Global Sources show and other big trade shows. So we'd, we don't really want to try to reinvent what they are doing. So it's primarily, it's a smaller, I mean, I don't know if we think it's big, but um, about 100, 150 people only. Um, it's really more about the networking and the knowledge sharing. And then the idea is the Canton Fair and the Hong Kong shows are, you know, nearby. So people go there before and after. It's, if you ever come to, the trade show season is a, is a really busy time. So there's trade shows all, all in October. So we just kind of sneak in a couple of days of like intense conference and networking. We also have mastermind and, uh, you know, some after party networking. That sounds great. Are people from all over the world coming there or mainly U.S. or how does it look like? I think there's gonna be less and less Americans with the trade war. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm an American myself, but uh, it's getting really hard and scary for Americans in China uh, with the trade war. So I, I mean, it was never really heavy on the U.S., um, but it was always it was always uh, seventy percent non-Chinese and maybe thirty percent Chinese that spoke English. Um, and even even over the other years, there wasn't so many American. It's hard for American Americans to stay in America. I mean, <laughs> my experience, not many travel outside, so uh, it's usually more people from all parts of the world. That's, I think, what makes it special, especially in Southeast Asia, 
you know, we had some people just register from Indo- a group from Indonesia coming, um, a group from, you know, Taiwan, Singapore, uh, seller, you know, and all expats in, in Asia a lot are coming. All right. And I have seen that you started working at Alpha Rock Capital. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, this is really exciting news. Uh, it's, it's a really, I think people start to hear about them more and more. Uh, I think we'll talk about an interview, but it's run by some great people and uh, um, now a partner as well. It's an acquisitions firm. We got to be careful about the word investment or fund. I, we're going through this paperwork. We're doing it all through the U.S. SEC, uh, Securities Exchange Commission, to be a proper um, buyout fund. But technically, we're an acquisitions firm as of right now. So what we do is we basically pool together money to buy Amazon businesses. Hmm. Um, we have about eight or nine brands right now. We're pretty actively buying off a lot of different brokers in the industry. We're buying some directly. I, I joined by uh, the, the, I'm so tricky about the words, <laughs> but the, uh, the firm was uh, buying my Amazon business, um, which I've been done a couple of years with uh, in Global From Asia's community. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically we buy, we raise money and we buy Amazon businesses. All right. Dan, I'm already at my personal questions. It seems like you're invested in a lot of businesses. So how many hours do you work a week roundabout? Luckily, uh, luckily most of it I can do online. This is my home studio. I kick my daughter out of her room. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I can work even more. Uh, there, uh, but yeah, I work. I love, I love what I do. I mean, I think I hope everybody can enjoy what they do. So it almost doesn't feel like work. Um, basically, I either pick up the kids from school and read to them or I'm working, uh, basically. Um, you know, especially international business time zone differences. I know it's early for you. It's getting towards the end of the day for me. So usually my favorite time is morning. I'm a big believer in like Pomodoro and focused work. So I just slot like 30 minute sessions for different types of work and focus on one thing at a time. Of course, I, can, I do lots of different things, but I just, I chop it up into different focused elements. Also, I, I really am a believer in content marketing, like I, you guys are doing content like this. You know, uh, with, with content, you can uh, kind of have, a lot of what I do is lead generation, right? So I'm, uh, while they're all different kinds of businesses, they're all related to a similar industry of, you know, business within Asia, e-commerce. So I'm driving leads to, you know, people setting up companies in Hong Kong or events in China or buy out, buy out Amazon businesses. So it's, um, my job is marketing and I can kind of do that with these, uh, all within that's why I, my main brand is GFA or Global Asia, and I'm just trying to drive in different. So if somebody's coming to me, they want to come to an event, or they want to invest in a business, or they want to sell their company with an Amazon. It's all kind of related. So you said that your work doesn't really feel like working because you love it so much. Are there also things that you don't like about your job? I can imagine that your daughter doesn't like when you take up a room, but uh, what do you don't like about your job? Um, I guess some of the, it is hard to, sometimes is, uh, overwhelming with, because you do a lot of different things, it does get overwhelming. Uh, 
I go through, I'm like half maker, half marketer or, or manager. I think there's a, there's a good quote by an investor, maker, manager. So I kind of split my brain in half of like creating content and the other half like marketing or managing, but uh, it's still over. I still don't deal a lot with a lot at once. I'm still, and a lot of people think I'm a social, I'm a, I'm, I think I'm an introvert, honestly. Uh, even though you, you, know, you, you don't seem this. like you don't seem like an introvert. I think uh, my wife says I'm like a robot because I uh, I'm very systematic, and so so I kind of almost try to program people, but people are hard. People are different, right? And they don't want to. So I I try to. Uh, so I, yeah. So sometimes I get, but I think the definition of introvert is you get tired when you engage with people. And like yeah. an intro, extrovert gets empowered and ener yeah. more energy, but it's true. I get drained. Like I go to an event and I get stressed out. I get stressed out and tired. Whereas I think some extroverts are like thriving off of it. So over the years, I've kind of enjoyed behind, I kind of more enjoy the content creation where I'm driving traffic yeah. and uh, rather than the engaging with the people, even though I, I love talking to you and everything and doing this. <laughs> I'm not oh. offended. I'm not offended. I okay. can totally understand. <laughs> but I think that's that's the. Uh, but I mean, there's not much I don't like. It's uh, I get up early and. But uh, I suck at the numbers. Honestly, that I don't like the numbers, so it definitely gets me in trouble too much because. <laughs> uh, no, no one likes that part of business. I meet people that seem to like that. <laughs> I didn't. But actually, so many people tell me business number. If you don't. You're not a businessman, if businesswoman, if you're not into. You gotta look at your KPI. You gotta look at the target. You gotta look at the bottom line. I'm more the artist. I'm more the creator, and I try. I avoid that numbers too much, so it gets me in trouble. Right. If you could have a superpower, which one would it be? Hmm. Yeah, I mean. I guess the top two in my mind are invisible or flying, right? But uh, or reading people's minds. I think that's also yeah, super interesting. Yeah, I just watched the Avengers Endgame with the oh, kids. Nice. <laughs> um, I guess flying would be pretty cool. Just yeah, because you could see a lot. I try to do that with my, you know, all these different businesses. What I do is I use a Google drawing and I'm always using Google drawing, which a lot of people don't use that. They use Google spreadsheets or they docs, but I do Google drawing and I like to kind of just draw. Or what I do is I snag photos from Google images and I dump them onto Google drawing so that I can kind of visualize from a, so you would think I'm crazy, but sometimes I have this dashboard where I just dump, pictures of logos of projects I'm on and it links to different Google folders. So I think I like the overview of, uh, so flying would be kind of cool. I think when you're in a plane and you look down at the city, it's so much different than when you're like, you know, in the roads, in the, in the building. Also, you would be like father of the year if you'd be able to bring your kids to school by flying there. <laughs> oh yeah. My, my son would be Spider-Man, but I don't know if that's a superpower. That's web shooter. He likes the web shooter. <laughs> That's cute. If you could give $10,000 to charity, which one would it be? 
I don't know what's the name of one, or I even tried to do a scholarship fund in the Philippines. Um, didn't work out, honestly, but, uh, but basically, um, I would like to kind of, I don't know if they're, I don't know names of companies, but I would rather give money to really third world, like poor places that, uh, rather. So, uh, I didn't prepare for that one, but, uh, <laughs> I would look for one that's somehow educating, uh, younger generations of like poorer countries. I think that's good because it's also, um, how do you say, like sustainable. They can use the education, the knowledge, and then really build something that lasts. So that's a good answer. That's a pretty good answer. Um, if you could travel back in time five years or 10 years, what would you say to your younger self? What advice would you give to yourself? The real answer or a not real answer? <laughs> <laughs> the real answer, of course. I don't know. I guess I don't regret China, but I have a lot of different ideas now. I mean, I definitely was the teacher. I mean, I was a boss, but I, I probably should have become an investor a long time ago. I mean, I'm mean, kind of, you know, I'm still adjusting to the Alpha Rock, but we're investors. And even my staff then, I was hiring Chinese workers that are amazing Amazon sellers now. And they called me like Teacher Mike. And uh, they even gave me some chances to invest in their businesses, one or, one or two of them. Uh, and I just felt like, how can I really, it's a Chinese company, I can't really read the Chinese. And I kept insisting to be the business owner, the Amazon seller, to the number I'm more the connector. I should have just leveraged more being like a, I don't know. It's uh maybe I would have been more like a uh, investor earlier or more like a connector earlier. All right. Um, you've been to many places, right? You're from the U.S. You lived in Shenzhen. Now you're living in Thailand. What is your favorite place in the whole world? Do you have one? Mm, I think Italy. I, uh, I've been to see my family in Italy and, uh, I, they're up in North Italy, like in the mountains. And it's such a crazy story. I went to see them and they don't speak English and I don't speak Italian. Uh, one of them speaks English. She's the younger kind of our age, uh, English teacher, Federica. And I just stayed there for like a week and I just, she went to work every day and I would just stay with her family that couldn't speak English. And I was just like, man, this is awesome. Like I was in the mountains, they were making this like, the food was so good. But I mean, I just, I knew I was like, I can't really live here. I felt like I could retire there. Yeah. I just felt like I would retire there. But yeah, I mean, it's on my list or there's so many beautiful places in Italy, like the mountain, there was this places I saw of like called Tropea. I really recommend, I want to go back to Tropea. I know you probably never heard of this place. It's, uh, it's, uh, nobody talks about it. To me, it's the most beautiful place. It's like this uh, small town that has castles on right on the edge of cliffs that drop straight down to the ocean. And uh, ocean is like clear water and there's caves like where they put the churches inside the caves. And then there's a small beach, like just only 10 feet long or what you know from the, the cliff to the ocean and then you just 
I don't know. It's just amazing. I mean, there's nothing there. It's just, there's a couple of shops on the top of the cliff and you got to, but I mean, it's freaking amazing. I mean, I feel I like that. I should, I feel like I should cut this out before too many people see it and then go there and then tourism destroys everything. Yeah, it's true. I think it's a little hard to get. I don't know. It was on the West. I got a free scholarship to go for a week in Italy because of my Italian ancestry as it's like an Italian American group. So after college, they sent a bunch of us there and we were just on this bus for like a week and we just, so, but it probably can't be that hard to get to, but yeah, maybe cut it out. And then just you and I know about that one. <laughs> I think I will leave everything in except the name of the place. So people okay. can help. And then maybe, they, maybe we can sell that information then. Yeah. Opt-in lead magnet or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right um what do you like to spend your money on are you more the person that likes to spend his money on experiences or do you also like to buy luxury goods i don't know cars watches what do you spend your money on i used to be more materialistic until i lived in the philippines for about a year uh and i lived in like the local areas and then I went really deep into minimalism and I've moved so many times and I real and I got into some more, I'm like this weird Buddhist. I'm not Buddhist, but my wife is. And I'm just, so, I mean, I really don't care about material things. Um, I, I mostly buy like Amazon books, Kindle books. I mean, I could try to find a free one on Google and download a PDF, but I'm like, you know, it's going to pay $10 for this Kindle book. Um, you know, I think knowledge and somewhat experience, but I would say I try to pay for knowledge and, uh, you know, uh, I should do it more, but gifting, gifting random, gifting people stuff for no reason. It feels really cool when you just give somebody something like for no reason. <laughs> like and they get so I haven't done nice. it too much. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Right. Or my kid's school. I'm always paying for my kid's school. That's like that's the most important. Yeah, the most important it's thing. It's like or insurances. I have like five insurances now or something, but <laughs> it's better than to have none. So Yeah. Um in all of those years that you now worked uh like for yourself, was there a time where you wanted to quit and just go back to a normal job? Um, I think a lot of us are, uh, not willing to go back. You know, there's always those bad days where you talk to one of your friends that's all student business. And I want to quit wall street. Mm, you know, there was some rough, there was some guys like there, it's like tough love. I don't know. It's like this American frat boy kind of Donald Trump kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, he would be like, oh, you're going to be begging for your job in a year. You're going to come back begging for your job in a year. And, uh, you know, one, cause I worked one guy's like, uh, I'm going to short your stock as soon as I can. Can you give me, uh, can you like, I don't know if people know what shorting stock. It's like you sell against the stock and it'll make money when it goes down. And he's like, oh, let me know. You know, they're just, it's kind of like, it sounds brutal, And sometimes they, you know, I, it's like New York style, like motivation, but, uh, but I would go back to visit them. Sometimes I haven't been back there in a while, but the first few years I would visit and they're still sitting in the same desk 
you know, of course they probably have money coming in their bank account consistently every couple of weeks and they bought, maybe they saved in their retirement fund. And, uh, but I had no regrets. I mean, even bad days, I'm, uh, I don't see myself going back there. <laughs> That's good. That means that you're, that you're happy right now. Yeah. Um, I'm already at my last question. Can you name three tips that you would give to any Amazon seller out there? It can be about selling on Amazon, can be about being self-employed in general, whatever comes to your mind. Sure. I mean, I think one is, it's going to maybe be counterintuitive to what a lot of people say, but focus on, you know, I, especially as an Amazon investor now, we don't really, uh, I hate to say it because I used to say it a lot, but just focus on Amazon only. I know we all want to diversify and do multi-channel and get our Shopify stores and get our Instagram sales and not be dependent on Amazon. But I mean, I think until you're really big, you're probably better off focusing most of your sales effort on Amazon sales. I know I'm, I feel really counterintuitive saying that because I'm an internet marketer. I'm a content marketer. Um, but just for the ROI and the amount of time you're going to spend trying to get people to go to your own website nowadays, it just seems unless your product really fits for the off Amazon, like you can do some Facebook ads to Shopify stores. Um, I feel like you're just got to focus on Amazon only sales for a long, a long time. I mean, um, that's one, two, Two is uh, like focus, kind of what we talked about in the interview, focusing on your strengths. I, um, I call it a garbage man or an artist, which you know, I, I've been saying that sometimes. I do some workshops sometimes. The garbage man is the normal Amazon seller. They really don't care what they sell. Because I, I call it the garbage man. I made that up because people that have a garbage business, do they really want, do they love garbage? Do they really want to do business doing garbage disposal? I'm sure if we talk to a multimillionaire garbage disposal owner, he doesn't care about picking up garbage. He's just looking at the numbers. He's looking at the profit margins. He's working on his, keeping his employees happy. Um, but then the artists would love, want to do that product that they love, right? They love coffee or they love the fashion or eyebrows and they want to sell eyebrow, fake eyebrows or something because they love eyebrows. But you kind of need both of those. So I say, you know, usually a, a team of e-commerce is the, the person that's passionate about the product, the artist, and then the garbage man, that's the numbers person that's going to like operate the logistics, look at the profit margin, look at the PPC. So I think if you can do both, you can do both. Of course, you don't need a partner, but I think that's the two main parts of an e-commerce business and Amazon business. Uh, and then the third tip, the third tip is, um, maybe don't work so hard like me. Uh, <laughs> maybe take some time off. Um, unless, you know, unless you really, really enjoy it, but even if you enjoy it, you should take time off. Like I try to take, you know, certain weekend time off or, you know, I try to work hard in my mornings and try to, you know, uh, maybe de-stress a bit in the afternoon. Just, I think give yourself some more space and sometimes it's going to take time, you know, whether you're an Amazon seller or whether you're, uh, you know, building up a new blog, like, the podcast, nobody, you know, you keep, you keep working, working, work, work, and then nobody's, you see nobody's caring, nobody's noticing, but then it's usually six months. I mean, Amazon, you can do faster, but you know, usually there's just that spike, you know, so you kind of get through that tough period.
So, you know, don't expect it to work right away. You got to be patient. Um, and, uh, and then it will hit. So sometimes even taking a break, but not giving up, but maybe take a break. Maybe don't work on it so hard, but a lot of people sometimes even forget about, not forget totally, but then suddenly it starts to, to hit. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to answer all of my questions. Um, these were some useful insights. Uh, I especially love the metaphor with the garbage man. And okay. Yeah, I hope that we see each other soon. Yeah, thanks, Christina. I'm sure I'll see you soon. All right, guys, that's it. That was my interview with Mike. If you're interested in Global from Asia and the Cross-Border Summit, I put the link in the description. You can also find any other service provider you may need in order to grow your Amazon business on sermondo.com. Check it out and I see you guys soon.